0: and what what is grace and today you hear a lot of people talking about grace and it's the common theme in christianity and i and i said this last week someone asked me are you a grace preacher the answer would be yes i am then if they asked me if you are a kingdom preacher the answer would be yes i am the the Gospel that I preach is the gospel of Jesus Christ and in the gospel of Jesus Christ is grace is kingdom is every you, you know everything that relates to him there really is no grace without it being in relationship to Jesus Christ anything that's called grace that doesn't relate to Jesus Christ would not be grace You know, and and I mentioned this last week, people have an idea that, you know, there was a season where people were under the law, now they're under grace, and, and that is true if you're in relationship to Jesus Christ. Grace comes through relationship with Christ. Grace is not just God showing us how He feels about us. That's a a common thought, that grace is how God always felt about us. Grace is the work of God in Christ, and that work of God applied to our hearts. And we're going to study this in the Scripture. In Romans 6, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says something very important in terms of grace. He writes, "...what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound?" And his answer to that is, "...God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein?" He didn't write, "...how shall we that are dying to sin, going to be dead to sin... He said, we that are dead to sin. And a question I wrote down is, now what does being dead to sin have to do with grace? What does that have to do with grace, being dead to sin? Well, it has a ton to do with grace. Just to refresh your memories in Ephesians 2, it says, we are saved by grace through faith and that grace is the gift of God. So we come and we see grace as God's gift. Now what is God's gift? John 3, 14-18 says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave. Here's the gift. God gave... His only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that goes right in line with Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. Those that looked upon the serpent, that they, they, they lived. They live from the serpent's bite. Now, fast forward that to Christ. Whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, because those that were bitten by serpents were perishing, right? So whosoever believeth on Him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Now here is God's grace that God gave His Son. And back in Romans 6, it says, What shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. How can I live in sin when I'm dead to sin? Well, Paul begins to deal with that, and he, and he goes on in verse 3, and he says, Do you not know, or know you not, that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death? Here's the answer. Here's how we become dead to sin, we were baptized into the death of Jesus Christ our Lord. And this word know here is a word there's actually 3 different words used for know in knowing in these first few verses. This word is a word that is dealing with knowing through lack of information, through understanding, through And that's what Paul's saying, don't you know, don't you understand, do you not comprehend that you were baptized into his death? So so what the gospel does, what the written word does, when we read our Bible, it brings to us the information, so to speak. It informs us that when Christ died, We died with Him. That through the work of the Spirit, we are actually baptized into the death of Christ. Now that's information. And and Paul, in the definition of knowing here, of this word know, you may reject that. Part of of this word know is is being ignorant of it. And being ignorant is not a bad word. Being ignorant just simply means I don't know, I don't understand, I don't comprehend. But but many times people reject the comprehension or they reject the knowing of the Lord. They, They will not receive that, right? So here we come to a knowing of Christ through the Spirit and we come to a knowing of Him in His death. So we go on here and he says, Paul writes, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so should we also walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. I'm going to stop here again. This word knowing is a different Greek word than the first word know. And why, why is that so important? This word knowing is an intimate knowing. It is the same Greek word used when, when Mary told the angel, I have not known a man. So so through intimacy, we come to know that our old man is crucified with Christ. I can read it here in Paul's writings, but that doesn't mean I know it in my heart. That doesn't mean it's real to me. Now, it's, it's done through the work of Jesus Christ. We're in a finished work. And that finished work is done as far as the believers go, but it does not mean I have comprehended it or I'm walking in the reality of what this Word says. So how I walk in the reality of what it says is through knowing Him. What what did Jesus say? Jesus said, Come unto Me, all you that that labor and are heavy laden. Take My yoke upon you and do what? Learn of Me. How do I learn of Him? How do I really do that? I do that through the Spirit of God revealing Him in my heart, inside of me. That's what Paul said, When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb to do what? To reveal His Son where at. In me. Not to me, but in me. It's it's an actual inner work of the Spirit of God that we participate in. And Jesus declared it in in John's Gospel in multiple places. But in John 16, He said when the Holy Ghost would come, He's going to take of mine, of me, He's going to take who I am and reveal it. He's going to reveal my work of Calvary. He's going to reveal my death, burial, and resurrection you, He's going to make it real to you. Remember one place Jesus said to His disciples, He said, I've got many things to say to you, but you cannot bear what I have to say right now. But when the Spirit comes, you're going to bear it. Because the Spirit is going to take the work of God in Christ, and He's going to reveal it in our heart that we become the manifestation of it in the earth. If we're going to manifest anything of Christ, it has to be revealed in us. It's not some wham-bam day out here that happens and we all do it. It's through an intimate relationship with Christ that we begin to manifest the glory of God that is right now in us and is being revealed right now by the Holy Spirit of God. And that's God's grace. See, God's grace is... The work of God in Christ. That's what God's grace is. God's gift of grace was Jesus Christ Himself. John says, what does John say in his writings? He said Christ was what? Full of grace and truth. What does full mean? Complete. He had all of God's grace. He had all of God's completion in Himself. So He was full. Of Grace and truth, so why don't I know the fullness of grace because i don't know him i don't know him in fullness i don't know him in reality you know i don't know him you know in the in the reality of living to so many believers jesus is just a man that walked 2,000 years ago and someday is going to come back and, and, and rescue the believers out of, out of the world. That's, that's where a lot of Christians walk. And, and the reality of Christ is right now. That's what he said in John 14. At that day when the Holy Spirit was going to come, what did he say? He said, you're going to know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am where at? In you. That's what He said, you're going to know. Well, how are you going to know it? You're going to know it through an intimate relationship with Him. Through intimacy. Glory to God. If you continue in my Word, then you are my disciples indeed. And that Word, His Word, is going to become alive A living Word in our hearts, and that living Word is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. That living Word that's quickened you when you received the Word of God, when you were born again, you received a life-giving Word that came right out of God and moved you out of death into His life, glory to God. That was a living Word that came. And it raised you out of Adam and it placed you into Christ. Glory to the Lamb of God. The new birth is not the old man made better at all. The new birth is a new man created of God in Christ Jesus. And the grace of God, you know, revealed in our hearts as, as the whole... Picture of Christ in it. It has his, the death element of grace. Glory to God. The death element. What, why is it so important to understand his death? Because if, if that death is worked in me and worked in my heart, I become, according to Paul's writings, dead to sin. Do you, you read that? You're dead to sin? Do you believe you're dead to sin? Do you believe sin doesn't have any power over you? Is that your comprehension that sin has no power and authority over me? What did Jesus say when He rose from the dead? He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So the power of death was destroyed. The power of sin was destroyed. Where was it destroyed at? In His death. So we are baptized by the Spirit into His death that we can be saved by His life. Glory to God. So what fills us by the Spirit of God is His life. We come to a new life in Christ. Glory to God. Not an old man made better but a new man who's now living through the power of the living Christ, that's what we have in salvation. that's what he's done through the cross. he's, he's brought a people into himself into his death that all these elements of the world of the world no longer have power over them and and this Becomes real through this intimate knowing of the Lord. That's how it becomes real. Christ revealed in your hearts. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the Living God. In going on down through here in Romans, he says, he that is dead is freed from sin. Again, do you believe you're dead with him? Do you believe you're freed from sin? Doesn't mean you never mess up. Let me clarify something here. This does not mean you don't mess up. You're me either one. But what it means is the authority over your life is no longer sin. It's no longer death. It's no longer hell. That no longer has authority over your life. I wish I had understood this 20 years ago when I first, early on in my, in, in my ministry. But I did because I would preach people into condemnation. I would try to get them to live how I thought they ought to live without realizing what they really need to do is know the living Christ of God. And if they begin to know the living Christ of God, He's going to fill up their hearts with Himself. And then they're going to live in the earth as the body of Jesus Christ instead of the body of death. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So he that is dead is freed from sin. So the authority of sin, the penalty of sin, doesn't have authority over me. Why? Why does it not? You ever read Isaiah 53? Have you ever studied that? What God said he was going to do with Christ, what he prophesied of through the prophet Isaiah, that Christ was going to bear the iniquity of us all, that he was going, that it was all the the penalties and wages of sin was going to be laid upon him that He was going to be our sacrifice for sin. See, all that was against us, all that held us outside of this glorious relationship that we have with God was laid on Jesus Christ and He died to it. He put it to death. He didn't die in it. See, the key with the Lord Jesus is He didn't die in sin. He came in the form of man, made in the likeness of man. But the Scripture says that He knew no sin. So the nature of that man, that beastly nature that you and I knew when we were born of the flesh man, I have to believe Jesus never knew that. And He took that beast of a man to the cross and He crucified him. And He destroyed him that had the power of death, Paul writes, even the devil. And he freed us from its penalty. And he brought us into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. That's what Paul says. We move from the bondages of Adam. We were bound in sin, death, and hell in the Adamic man, Born in sin from our mother's womb. The psalmist writes, we were born in sin. We were shapen in iniquity. And, and what was their solution? We couldn't get good enough. We couldn't live good enough. We couldn't find right living to get out of it. Who out there has ever tried to live right to get out of the penalty of sin? I did. I did it for years. My solution to it... Was, was, I'm going to get right. I, I remember one time, I, uh, years ago, we didn't have the nice fancy TVs that we have today. But I decided in, in my quest to live right, I'm going to get rid of all my TVs. So I had a, one of the big floor models in the floor. And I took it, and I think it was to one of my cousins I gave it to. And then sometime later, I wish I had that floor model TV. And I, I was in the same frustration before I got rid of the TV. What what happened? I, I got rid of the TV. I still frustrated. Still, still didn't find the solution I was looking for. It still didn't find the righteousness I was questing after. Still didn't find the holiness I desired to walk in. Because, man, I desired to walk in holiness. I still do. I still desire to walk in the very holiness of the divine God. That's really, if if you could look in my heart, I, I believe you find that there. That's the desire that's in me is to know Him in His fullness. But when when this become real, when righteousness, sanctification, and holiness become real, it become real in the person of Jesus Christ. God began to reveal Himself in me. He began to make Himself known. Like like if you'd told me 25 years ago, as a young man, or 30 years ago, when I first started, really started this walk serious with the Lord, that this was going to happen to me, I would have told you this isn't the way it is. I would have given you a doctrinal belief that I had of here's what's going to happen. But... I begin to seek God. I begin to quest the presence of the Lord more than anything I I believe in my life. I believe my wife could even tell you that. that She probably sometimes, and and I probably regretfully so, at times may have not even paid enough attention to my wife. I'm just being candid with you. But my wife would probably tell you that at times my heart, my mind, was just enamored with knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and one day I had, I had begun to see the, the Word of God testified of Him. I began to see that the volume of the book testified of Him. Things that I had tried to figure out in the book, I found out they testified of Him. I began to see it. But one day I'm in my prayer closet, so to speak. And I'm just seeking the Lord. And the most glorious thing that ever happened in my life Happened. He appeared in me. He didn't appear outside of me. I didn't see a man, the man of Galilee, the natural Jesus. I didn't see Him that way. But I saw the living Christ appear within me. And when I saw this living Christ appear within me, I'm telling you, my, everything within me bowed. But my mind. And my mind, even in the brilliance of what was going on inside of me, my mind was telling me this is not how it's supposed to be. This is not how you were taught. See, that was my problem. And it wasn't how I was taught. It wasn't what people told me was true. But it was what God was showing me. It was what... John 16 was becoming real that He shall take of me and show it to you. The Spirit was literally taking the living Word of God and revealing it in my heart. And my journey of the revelation of Jesus Christ became so much realer. And I only had that experience one time. And I asked the Lord for years... God, give me that experience again. Show that to me again. Reveal yourself in that way again. And recently he spoke to me. And he said, Son, I'm bringing you into the reality of my presence. That is becoming a reality. And it's that third word, knowing, here in Romans uh, six. The second one, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that's a very intimate knowing. When you come down to verse 9, it says, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more death, hath no more dominion over him. This word means to see with physical eyes, as it naturally bridges to the metaphorical perceiving or mentally seeing. So, like the expression, I see what you mean. So it's coming to the reality. So what, what happened here in these three words? i would never seen this before, and I've read Romans 6 probably as much as any Scripture I've ever read in the Bible. And, and last year, at the end of the year, I'm reading through there, and the Lord just deals with me about know, knowing, and knowing these three words. And I look them up. And I realize, gee, they're not the same word. Because a lot of times they're the same word. But I realize they're not the same word. So I, so I get in there and I'm looking at these three words and I see one is dealing with information. Don't you understand that you were baptized into His death? Don't you know that? So that information should move your heart to the experience of it. So the experience of it, the intimacy with the Lord that this thing becomes real. That I am dead and the old man has been crucified. That Christ is now my life. And, and, and I, through that intimacy it comes to the reality, the seeing in my daily walk that I've been crucified with Christ and Christ lives in me. That the body of sin has been destroyed. Glory to God. And I now live in the body of Christ. I now dwell in his body. Glory to God. So so this reality begins to be worked in our hearts by the spirit of God through intimacy. That's what the Lord is after in his church. People say what's God after? He's after intimacy. He's after relationship. He's after Union. Glory to God. And along this same line, Jesus in John 8, just a couple more places, and I'll open it up to everybody, maybe just one more. I see how long I've I've spoken. And I don't want to be too long because I want us all to have dialogue together. But in John 8, it says, verse 31, "...then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him... If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth, what will make you free? The truth. They answered him. Well, they say, we're Abraham's seed, Jesus. Don't you know who we are? We're we're Jews. We're the seed of Abraham. And we've never been in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever. How many know under the old covenant they were servants and not sons? But in the new covenant you are what sons? God hath sent forth what? The spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, God, you are. Abba, you are my father. God, you are my father. So he doesn't bring us back into this servant mentality that we're servants when we've received the king. That's not his goal. See, the servant abides not in the house forever. The servant mentality's gone at the cross, but the son abides forever. If therefore the son shall make you free, you're free. Glory to God. You're free indeed. How am I free? Through His death. Through His burial. Through His resurrection. I said this last week, and I'm, I'm going to stop here. When the children of Israel took the blood of the Lamb, and they put it up on the doorpost, and they entered into that door, see, see, they received that offering. They They went into that blood. In type and shadow, they entered the death of that lamb. But they just didn't enter the death of it. They ate the lamb till the morning came. They ate of the lamb till they walked out in the newness of life. All that's in type and shadow, but they walked out in newness of life. No more Egypt. No more bondage. No more slavery. They entered into that house, glory to God, with, with the blood-covered lentil. And they entered in there and they ate flesh, and in type and shadow ate His flesh and drank His blood. That's what Jesus said. You must eat My flesh and drink My blood, or you have no part in Me. So we enter into that house, and we eat His flesh, and we drink His blood. And I saw this one day. This was like a tomb. I looked at that and I saw a tomb right there that here they are entering into the death of the Lamb, and they're moving into the burial. They're eating His flesh and drinking His blood. And they come out. My God, they come out, not the old man. The old man doesn't come out there. They come out in newness of life. And that's why they're going to Canaan. Because Joshua speaks of Canaan, and he says, he says to them in one place, he says, you've never been this way before. You've never been in this new life before. Glory to God. See, that whole Canaan land is speaking of a relationship in Christ. It's speaking of what we now have in God by the Spirit. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God that we can walk in His life. Not just know about Jesus, but now we can walk in the life of Christ. We can walk with the living One dwelling in our hearts and filling our minds with his substance. That this living Christ that walked the shores of Galilee is now dwelling in a people. The church which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. How much does Paul say is in the church? The fullness. His completion. His glory. And what does Paul write to the church? He says, you are complete in Him. You're completion. One last thing, and, and I really will open it up, and you all that, that are part of the fellowship that we attend are probably laughing because they say I close about seven times. But one last thing. So we're complete in Him. What is man in God's mind toward him? God's mind toward man is Christ in you. Man without Christ in him is incomplete. Yeah, he's lost. We say, we use the term lost, but he's incomplete. He's not come to his purpose. He's not even started in purpose. Purpose is Christ in you. That was God's purpose before the foundation of the world. Paul writes in Ephesians, he chose us in him when? Before. Before the foundation of the world. Well, bless the Lord. I'm learning in our local fellowships the people that have sat with me and Brother Stanley. They've been used to two guys that typically would minister for a minimum of an hour. Brother Andrew, I see you out there, and I want to tell you it's only been 32 minutes, brother, and I'm I'm getting ready to turn off and unmute the line. I'm learning. I did the Facebook this morning and I was only there for about 30 minutes and my son, he's just walked in behind us. But bless the Lord, I'm going to unmute you.